This episode is brought to you by Keeps, the inexpensive and easy way to keep your hair. Find out how to get your first month free at keeps.com slash laser. Welcome to Laser Time, the Internet's 17th leading pop culture show. Uh, hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista, and we have, I think, an all-star team from the Laser Time Network. Uh, we have from from uh, two different shows that we do. Who, who's with us today? Uh, good morning, Starshine. The Earth says hello, and so do I, and I'm Diana Goodman. <laughs> from 30, 2010, and who else is with us? Uh, I'm going through a really heavy trip right now. It's uh, Michael Raparez from Video Game Apocalypse. Wow, see, like from a representative of all three shows, this one's going to be a stone cold gas baby. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> because this episode, we are making fun of hippies. <laughs> yeah, we're making fun of shows that made fun of hippies, which I didn't want to do because, like, well, you had this idea, Michael, at some point. And I'm like, oh, we should totally get clips of hippies depicted in popular culture. But I, I thought, like, yeah, this is a perfect time when the mainstream media is portraying uh, the countercultural generation in such a manner that it is. This is never. No, no, no. I got really bored trying to research that. <laughs> trying, <laughs> I got real bored. So no, this is about making fun of hippies. And, and like, I, I'll start this off with a definition of what a hippie is. Got so bored. Um, <laughs> But but there is a bit of a trajectory, and it, it did start out with that spirit, just because I'm seeing a lot of younger people kind of put not trusting the media that much, uh, especially yeah. the, the man. Yeah, yeah, and like, and I think we've always had our countercultural movements, but none have been more derided and mocked than hippies. <laughs> hip- not even emo. Yeah, not, not even emo, nothing like nothing else. There's nothing else like it. Not even not socialist. Like you, nobody has had it worse than the hippies. And I think, to be honest, well, so like looking into what the hippie is supposed to be, I, I again, this this I hated doing this research because we want I wanted to do it about beatniks, and that dates back to the '40s. Bunch mm-hmm. of kids with their their jazz and accompanying jazz cigarettes, kind of check out on the American status quo and yeah. start using well, the The thing is that we learned binging on like so back in the 60s and the 70s it seemed like every friggin sitcom had to have at least one episode where a hippie comes on and a troublesome outsider who uh confuses everyone with their slang and strange ways but uh the, the their idea of a hippie was kind of just a beatnik with longer hair and a sunny bono vest. Right, that's why we we I I got obsessed with the beatnik portion of it earlier because I I think I like looking back on the sentiment of whatever that movement was about. I agree with it and may have actually been a part of it. I don't like certain things about mainstream society and dressing stupid. I like fucking people with uh without a condom and no recourse. Uh <laughs> I like experimenting with drugs. Uh I I dig all of that shit. Uh, but but the hippies for some reason like ooh this is what it looks like when you take that too far <laughs> maybe, well, maybe. Just, I, I have a, a long long strange trip with the hippies man mm-hmm. because I think I'm a closet hippie well you were raised by them I was raised by hippies dad went to Woodstock he loves to talk about that wow. he just sent out a bunch of pictures that he had from, from 50 years ago man and uh, my first concert was Grateful Dead when I was three. Oh my god really. 
I was I fell asleep, but I clearly remember like other people being like, "Oh man, she's the littlest deadhead," and then they like shared their popcorn with me, and then I fell asleep. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I've always like I love the idea of hippies, and but I also like pity them for their naivete. Yeah, well, the thing I think I think for a lot of us, our first uh, contact with hippies was in college. Like for me, yeah. and and then it's like you, you, these really fucking annoying flower children who go on and on about veganism and play drums out in the woods late at night. Yeah, and it, it's, their answer to everything is to get high. Yeah, but if you look at hippies in the context of the '60s, and it's like imagine that the only path that was laid out for you. So you're you're an affluent middle class college kid. The only path through life that's laid out for you is the one that your parents took. It's it's a world of uh, or, the, or the ones that your parents are giving you. It was still yeah. that kind of time. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely was. Like you're going to be set up in business by your dad, or uh, you're going to get a job as an ad executive and wear skinny ties in glass offices. And, right. and it, it's like yep. but, early but seasons it, of Mad Men. When yeah. you grow up, you're, when you grow up, you're going to have my appliance store, and I won't hear of anything else. Yeah. Yep. Well, imagine, imagine like, okay, you've seen Mad Men. Just imagine like that's the only avenue through life that's available to you. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, you're going to rebel. And if this this uh, weird counterculture is, is, that was actually way more diverse than we give it credit for, it wasn't just right. like think of this like flower children. It was a whole range of uh, just basically fun bum behaviors. Uh <laughs> But but like that, it makes more sense in that context. Yeah, it was about like freedom, man, mm -hmm. and like finding your own way, and like yeah. being cool with nature and embracing other people, and like I love all that shit. Right, me, like, me too. You hate man. Me yeah, too. But, but I also really hate like the naivete of like, oh no, let's just share. Like everyone's cool. We're cool, and it's like no. No, everyone's not cool. Well, also, a lot of people yeah. are selfish con artists who will take all of your shit and steal your money and your women's. Yeah, well, I think maybe that that everything's cool, let's all share attitude. It kind of comes back to uh, a lot of hippies were upper middle class white mm -hmm. kids. It's like when you're when you're raised wanting nothing, like the idea of like, what do you mean I have to go out and compete to make money? Like does not appeal to you. <laughs> And, uh, and I think there was that pressure even for like upper middle class white kids, like every generation supposed to do better. I'm like, well, how yeah. am I supposed to do better than this? Yeah. Like what the fuck? Yeah. And not There's to, not to, not to, wow. I'm really standing up for upper middle class white people in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're really empathizing with them right now. Uh, but, but yeah, cause I think my, my history with it is like in the middle of yours, it wasn't necessarily raised by hippies other than maybe the music. And, mm -hmm. I got kicked out of regular high school after twelve, my first 12 weeks of ninth grade and put in a high school where you called your teacher by their first name and everyone played guitar and everyone smoked weed. And I would find out later on when you start partying senior year, the teachers are at the same parties. And so I, I essentially went to a hippie school where some, of the, where some of the teachers married the students. And by that, I don't mean the male teachers. Uh, the, the female what? teachers would marry the students. Um, messed up yeah it's it's it was it, it, it well I it's actually it was actually pretty awesome <laughs> it was pretty awesome and uh everyone had to take a guitar class so I have that like yeah I'm pretty uh I'm pretty I'm pretty with it I'm pretty out there man like oh man this is too much I can't I cannot live like these people um but I I only feel like just now the hippie style attitude accent is totally dead it's gone 
I do not. Uh, I do not see it anymore. Yeah, you see little bits and pieces here and there. You know, chicks going to freaking Coachella for their Instagram shit. Basically, cosplaying as hippies for a weekend. I, I know. I know hippies love data plans. I. It's, <laughs> it's part of their movement. Genuine hippie is is kind of been pushed to the fringes. Yeah, I, I, I wish I would have taken video of it. Because I lived in San Francisco until like 2018, mm-hmm. and sometimes late at night, a weird door would open on my street, and like a, a couple, a man and a woman with hunched backs and tie-dyed shirts would emerge from their house, the last remaining hippies in San Francisco, <laughs> and would like go out and do their grocery shopping. But they were like hidden, and their door was hidden. Uh, it was crazy, because like when I moved there in the mid-2000s, like that was only just dying. There was still a little bit of whatever that attitude was, people smoking pot and playing guitar and bongos in the park. Uh, and that's slowly gone away, giving way to break dancers and uh, people selling CBD stuff. I, I saw a couple like that uh, a few weeks ago when we were at a restaurant in Marin. And you know what they were getting out of? What? A Cadillac Escalade. <laughs> it's happening. You're becoming your, you're literally becoming your parents. It just I took. Today saw a deadhead sticker on that Cadillac. It's Oh, it only took 30 years, but you've become your parents. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. They started becoming their parents in the 80s. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, so, my parents sold out, man. <laughs> so I can cocaine, man. We're going we're gonna to talk about hippie parents. We're going to talk about hippie depictions. We're going to talk. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make the thesis of this saying I empathize with the hippies, but we're going to make fun of you. <laughs> we're going to make fun of you a lot. And uh, it's I, so easy. I mean, the, the, so much of the time, that's my other problem with them is the self parody. Right. And, and like, oh my God, you actually do reek of patchouli. What are you doing? <laughs> so Come I wanted on, to stop conforming with the conformist hippies, man. Yeah. Do you know how bad Birkenstocks make your, your feet smell? It's why we wear entire shoes so we don't have to all endure <laughs> that. So I wanted, I, I'm going to, I tried to get a, a little more clever with where we took our depictions of hippies from because it's something specific I haven't seen tackled in any other medium. So there. So I wanted to start out with something I feel like everybody thought we were going to mention. And I don't want to make fun of this too much because as of this recording, we just lost uh, Peter Fonda. Yeah. And, and, and Captain America, man. Yeah. What? <laughs> Wait, that's right. <laughs> from this movie, is it 1967? Nice. Uh, Easy Rider, baby. This year, the judges of the Cannes Film Festival presented the award Best Film by a New Director to Easy Rider. And not Dennis Hopkins. It's the story of a man who went looking for America and couldn't find it anywhere. Easy Rider stars Peter Fonda. You do your own thing in your own time. You should be proud. Also starring Dennis Hopper, the award-winning director of Easy Rider. Co-starring Jack Nicholson. What you represent to them is freedom. So, so like these are hippies, right? Yeah, they have to be. Even though I mean, Florida? Billy definitely is. Jack Nicholson isn't. That's Jack, and but it just it Billy bumps. Captain America, I think, are. Isn't it weird that Jack Nicholson is the last remaining cast member of this? Like everyone else is dead. It is very weird. Um, yeah, but it, it, I remember this movie being pretty, pretty okay. Yes. I mean, a lot of it is really good. And there's times where def- they definitely run into like real hippies because there's like hippies and bikers. There's a lot of overlap in like mm-hmm. the mid 60s um, where it's like uh, you could maybe say that they're not hippies, but they meet up like 
at like a hippie commune where they're like trying to make everything work, man. And they're going to make it, even though they're having like piddly little squabbles about like, she took my seeds and I really don't appreciate that. Oh, man. I, in doing this, I, I found this vice piece about the last survive, like the last surviving hippie commune in New Zealand. And oh. it is depressing because like people are slow, like uh, people are slowly leaving. Like, you know, man, we ended up coming out of here because we didn't want to own anything. But if we don't own this shit, the oil company's gonna buy it. So we, so like, there's this big infighting between like we have to buy in to save it, but if we buy in, we sell out. And it's like, forty years after, forty years after the fact. But whatever. That's what I- about that naivete, man, of just like, no, it's just like it's nature for everyone to share. It's like, well, I wish corporations felt that way, but they're about to fuck you over that. Right, yeah. right. And, and that's I think that's the danger. Is I, I, I think I check out of things all the time, usually on a depressive level, not on a uh, spiritual level. But I, I don't help myself very much because, uh, I don't know, I think better like change happens from the inside um, a little easier. It's like if you go out to the desert, you take all of your morality and <laughs> and ways with you, <laughs> and, and and no one can learn anything from it, as we see from well, Easy Rider. And I, I brought up Easy Rider just because, like, um, I think it's the least embarrassing movie about hippies from this period. E- yeah, because everything pretty fair. Everything else I looked at because we're not going to talk about any of the other stuff because it's like fucking embarrassing. And Easy Rider was also this thing of like. Kids were not just checking out of society; they're checking out of movies. And Easy Rider was like something most of those people could like. Oh, I can get behind that. And yeah, exactly, it spoke to the young generation, man. And then people like Roger Corman said, "That looks cheap. I can do a dozen of those tomorrow." And that yeah, he'd been doing them for years. Biker exploitation gave way to hippie exploitation, mm-hmm. and those are two of my favorite genres. If you want to see real good depictions of hippies, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before Easy Rider, you got to check out like The Trip, or uh, I think Psych Out is before that. Isn't isn't The Trip the one that sort of has? Is a The Trip the one that Roger Corman took acid to understand better? Yes. Yeah, and And didn't Jack Nicholson write it? I think so. He wrote or co-wrote or directed a bunch of stuff Mm. for Corman around that time, but. uh, Well, the 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 equating bikers with hippies is something that has kind of always been weird to me because like i don't know if uh, either of you have read hell's angels by hunter thompson no but he talks a lot in that about how like so he 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 what he did was he spent a lot of time with the hell's angels and with sunny barger and writing with this gang and writing about like what they did what they thought about and one of the things that he talks about was that like they went to berkeley and the hippies were like Oh, these people are heroes, man. They're like everything we want to be. They're free. They're not they're not afraid to express themselves. And the hippies thought that the bikers were basically their tribe. Mm-hmm. And they were in for a very rude awakening. <laughs> fucking hated the hippies. Right. Basically, they 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 met and like the, the bikers just like took advantage of everything. It's like, yeah, you're gonna give us your girls, great. Your drugs, great. These are all ours now. Uh, fuck the <laughs> hell off. We're gonna beat the shit out of you. <laughs> You were very mistaken about what we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're like outside society, not following the man's uh-huh. rules. That- and they're like, uh, yeah, we're all on speed right now. Uh-huh. And I'm going to beat you with this weighted pool cue. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's why I think Easy Rider, it's like difficult to call a hippie movie, but it definitely appealed. It features hippies and appealed to hippies. And, and, oh, yeah. and, and I think it gave 
Even the squares, man, a better understanding of the countercultural revolution that was happening all around them. Because as we'll see later in the show, no one under like adults don't understand what's happening and are fucking idiots and cruel and weird. And I just wanted I wanted to get that one out of the way because like I, I don't I don't love the movie in any way, but I understand. It's like whenever you find a something that's culturally important, sometimes that doesn't stand the test of time. But Easy Rider is still kind of fun, and you can understand you can understand why there was sort of a cultural movement behind it. Yeah, and it's definitely a snapshot. Yeah, of a, of yeah. a time and a feeling, and the the idea that you would go into a restaurant they wouldn't serve you because your hair is kind of long. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and it, it was. Like, it's just fucking weird. Like what? Yeah, and it it had so penetrated the culture. If you're a Venture Brothers fan, the first season ends with the ending of Easy Rider. And I was just thinking about that diner scene. Yeah, and and so like I wanted to. So these that's half of the movies I wanted to bring up before we got really into this because the second one I thought like, well, who is who has defined the depiction of a hippie? And I. I I think for for me, even though this didn't the, the depiction didn't come about during the hippie generation, it's I'm sorry, it's Tommy Chung. It's it's yeah. the it's the uh-huh. swollen tongue man, like like that kind of thing. So I didn't grab anything because like Cheech and Chong is another one of those movie sets. Like I watched those on my sub HBO movie channels because I had access to them, but they might be horrible. Like all of them. <laughs> well, up and smoke is okay. Well, yes, they, I, they vary up, up and smoke is pretty good, and the rest. But, yeah, Tommy Chung yeah. is like the archetypal platonic ideal of a hippie, right? Like, and yeah. he would he would go on to play like a parody of that. I think there are more clips of of him as Leo on that '70s show on YouTube than there are of Cheech and Chung to, <laughs> to give you a, a, a glance of like what the how pop culture has changed. Because there's my my parents, I guess, aren't uploading a lot of clips to YouTube. So mm-hmm. I, w- I wanted to get you a clip of Tommy Chong being the Chongiest Chong I could. Instead, I found this up and smoke cut that's three minutes. That's only people in the movie saying the word man. It's three minutes long, and that's, <laughs> that's just one scene. But so what I but what I didn't know because this is the kind of thing I love doing Laser Time for in general. I didn't know the only other movie that, that I thought was notable about hippies was from 1990. I didn't know Tommy Chong on his own wrote, directed, and starred in a movie called Far Out Man. Oh, so I, I like I like. Wait, I meant to say that correctly. Far out man. So he sounds like a superhero. It sounds like he's in the MCU. <laughs> but he plays an aged hippie because uh, this will this will come into play when we talk about some later stuff in the '90s. Um, but uh, a guy who didn't who has been disconnected from his family, man, who are now all punk rockers, and of course the whole cast is are his son's daughters and wife playing his son, daughter, and wife. Mm. Ray Don and I forget his brother's name. But uh, this is the kind of things that should make the current generation cringe. Some fathers know best. You're really tense, man. I bet you eat meat. This father knows less. You're somewhere between plankton and toaster. Now. Betty, where'd the road go? The moving story of a man in search of his long-lost son. His legal name is Jimmy Henry Eric Clapton. I named him after all the guitar players I know. His long-lost wife. 
treat. Fucking terrible. <laughs> this and I, I don't think it's on DVD. I think it's impossible to watch. I didn't. I had never heard of it. But Mm-mm. far out, man, man. Um, so he just wrote his own movie, making fun of hippies. Yeah, yeah. But in this one, he doesn't wear glasses. And yeah, it's, he's, it's quite a stretch. And yes, Chong makes a uh, minor appearance. Uh, oh yeah, Cheech. Sorry, uh, Cheech Marin uh, makes a minor appearance. But I wanted to get rid of those. Let's get go to a tiny little break, real fast. And when we get back, I've tried to break these down in a couple of categories that we're going to have a ton of fun with. So stay right there. You know, folks, a couple years ago, I thought I was losing my hair, and I decided to do something about it and get out in front of it. But it was really, really expensive going through a doctor and all that. But hey, that's the old way of doing things. Keeps is the new way of doing things, and you can get started for just 10 bucks a month by going to keeps.com slash laser. It's not just you. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness before the 35. But I can't recommend enough prevention, getting out in front of it. And Keeps treatments really work. They're up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. And that's because Keeps gets you real doctor attention and real medication, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. No more going to doctor's offices or even waiting in line for medication. Just get it delivered right to your home. That's right. In addition to saving money, save some time. No more waiting rooms and no more pharmacy lines. Keeps treatments. Treatments start at just 10 bucks a month, plus for a limited time, you can get your first month free on your pals at Laser Time. So if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash laser to receive your first month of treatment for free. Once again, that's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash laser to get your first month free. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. But this was not. This was just in a public restroom. This is the weirdest, probably the weirdest celebrity uh, run-in I've ever had. I was heading into a public restroom, and I was walking toward the the row of toilets, and I nearly ran into a gentleman. Uh, and I was like, oh, excuse me, uh, you can go first. And he's like, oh, you, you sure you don't want to go first? Uh, that gentleman happened to be Danny Trejo. Machete? Of, uh, of, of blood in, blood out uh, fame, <laughs> Danny Trejo. <laughs> I even gave you Machete. You could have just taken that one. No, <laughs> blood in, blood out is how I always choose to remember him. He's I one of, was Sam, one of Montana's boys, right? Sam and I were obsessed with quoting that movie for a long time. Blood in, blood so out, good. colon, bound by honor. I believe. I know. I know. How many names do you want to give this movie? Yes. Um, let's give it three. Well, I, th- I three. think it has it has two different names because there's a version you can see that's like it's like a four hour movie, and then it's way too long. And then it's there's way too long. I think uh, depending on what channel you're watching, other channels has split it into two. So I think Bound by Honor is the the title of the full cut. Where do they do the split? Is it before or after Miklos gets shot? Is that the split for them? I think it's Sorry, uh, somewhere blood around the jail. Blood and Blood Out. How do you describe that movie? It's the story of a regular cholo in <laughs> central L.A., but what, like half white, half uh, Mexican guy? I think he's mixed race. Yeah, he's mixed race, and he looks white. He white has, like, blonde white. hair. Yeah. But he grows up with, uh, with all his cousins, and they're in, like, a local uh, Mexican street gang in Los Angeles, and then it, it's the story of like his 
rise through the ranks up into like the full-on mexican mafia like it goes it starts in street gang and then like he gets in trouble well what happens you spend like an hour in jail it's real fucked up this movie is like a season of a tv show it it feels more like a miniseries but then yeah so like miklos goes to get revenge on the on the guys who like you know paralyze his cousin kills someone goes to jail for that and that's really sort of when the movie begins and it's him rising through the ranks of like the Mexican mafia. It's crazy. It's a crazy movie, dude. But it's, it's we Sam bad. and I used to quote the scene where um he's uh, constantly almost being raped by a man named Big Al, and he figures out that he gets this awesome chart on like here's the, here's all the points in a human being you can kill in one stab, uh, and one is like right in his asshole, and <laughs> then. Uh, yeah, he goes to pretend to blow this big bad man, and he's like, "I'm gonna lick you clean," and he goes, "Do it, bitch!" And it's it's <laughs> it's some of the get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. Long time back when the galaxy was new. Man found out what he had to do. Found he had to eat and he found he had to drink. And a long time later he found he had to think Coming in with a tune from Star Trek. Uh, I don't know that this has a name other than like, um, what do they call it? The Space Hippie Jam? Yeah, I was looking these like up on YouTube. I'm like, this is the Infirmary Jam. <laughs> they, they were all sung by Charles Napier, uh, who's like a, a cowboy actor that they said, like, that guy needs to play a space hippie. Yes. Let's put him in like a, a barely there tunic and have him play some weird guitar instrument. Hey, hey we love Charles Napier we do. in this house. We do. It, it, I mean, he's in another great hippie exploitation movie. He is. He's, he's the, we can talk about later. He's the voice of Duke and the critic. Um is he's he's the head of the good old boys in Blues Brothers. He's, he's like the one of the heavies in Rambo, basically. He's yeah. he's the, nice. the commanding officer who sends him out and is, is a coward and traitor. <laughs> so or, okay. or was he in the first Rambo or first, first blood, blood? I forget. Um, no. Yeah, he was. Wait, he was no. the guy to get shown up at the end of uh, Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Anyway, any. Anyway, so here's the category, and I don't want, don't, dude, I don't want you to check out, man, because this is going to be hilarious. If okay. you feel, if you're a little younger than us, and you feel like you're misunderstood, this is what life was like for the countercultural, countercultural movement of the the late '60s when it was happening. Because in this segment, we're going to talk about hippie depictions that happened while the movement was the strongest, and this to me makes me laugh so much because it's so yeah. rude and so mean. And it's all done by basically stiff Republican <laughs> dads back when every writer in Hollywood was a 75-year-old man. It was no in-between. Shit. I don't even know where to start on this. This is the worst one. But like... Star Trek? Huh? Star Trek? No. No. Because oh. what, what I... No. What I found... Um, we watched a whole bunch of these last night. And yeah. it's like... It was weird to see, okay, which ones are actually kind of sympathetic? Like, Star Trek is a little bit sympathetic, but also comes down to, well, this is a hippie cult. Yeah, okay, we can start. We, and I, we can start with Star Trek, The Way of Eden, 
which Den of Geek called the best worst episode of Star Trek. (laughs) That's pretty good. I mean, Spock's brain is another one where, oh no, some ladies stole Spock's brain. (laughs) (laughs) I like this one better just because, I mean, Spock, he totally tries to like rap with these hippies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he knows the one, man. And and just like, this is, I haven't seen a ton of, uncut original star trek from from what i know about it it barely got a third season and it did under tremendous budget cuts and it shows in these absolutely embarrassing costumes it's nicknamed the turd season well right because the costumes on this are just brutal and disgusting (laughs) and and the idea is they meet a group of space hippies led by a a doctor who's been given a bacteria by other by humans I forget. I, that's that's the subplot of the episode. It's sort of complicated. Basically, it's like, no, man, I got this illness. And if I like go back to the land and check out from technology, I'll be fine. And they're like, uh, no, you will like kill all the Indians if you do that. Yeah. And there, there's also like I, I noticed a, a through line of all these like hippie episodes in, in TV series. Like there's one guy. It's like, ooh, you're lucky your father's so powerful and influential. <laughs> otherwise, you'd be in real trouble. <laughs> That absolutely exists. Holy shit. I didn't even check in on this. So here's a little clip from The Way to Eden. And this is Spock. Spock knows whatever religion is coursing through this small movement's veins, the one or whatever. So Spock manages to relate to these hippies, whereas Kirk is not having any of it with his fucking bacon and eggs. You know our purpose. I would prefer that you state it. We turn our backs on confusion and seek the beginning. What is your destination? planet Eden. That planet is a myth. And we protest against being harassed, pursued, attacked, seized, and transported here against our wishes. Right, brother. We do not recognize Federation regulations nor the existence of hostilities. We recognize no authority save that within ourselves. Well, whether you recognize authority or not, I am it on the ship. I am under orders to transport you back to Starbase peaceably. From there, you'll be ferried to your various planets. Because of my orders, you are not prisoners, but my guests. I expect you to behave as such. Oh, Herbert, you are stiff. There's <laughs> <laughs> little Charles Napier. <laughs> and they start taunting him by calling him Herbert, mm-hmm. because that means square. Yeah, Even man. It sounds like pervert when they say it a lot. <laughs> so this, this is... I just, I, yeah, I don't know Star Trek enough for this not to, like, this is humiliating. <laughs> In terms of Star Trek being held aloft as, like, one of this most progressive outlooks of not only the future, but humanity itself, like, <laughs> this is a bunch of angry white dudes at Hippies writing this episode. Yeah. Yeah. But at the, at the same time, like, I, I was telling Diana last night, like, you can kind of see... Uh, you can empathize a little bit more with the the establishment attitude toward hippies. It's like, oh, you're you're our children, basically. You're our confused children, and you're being led astray, and we're worried about you, and we don't really understand what you're trying to do, but you're you're going in the wrong direction. That's that's right. well, that's an excellent point. This is like fine. It's just like yeah, they just want to like drop out and live off the land, man. But they've got you know like a, a guru leader type who's totally got it wrong man he's insane it that's that's an excellent point i didn't like i didn't think to make and which we should it's just like because most of the shows i watch the writers are in their i would i would say mid-20s to early 40s 
This was not the case back in the day. All shows were written by the same people who wrote shows when television started. <laughs> and, and, and then and at the end of this episode, the end of the episode is like very uh, Tales from the Crypty weird science when they get to their Eden planets and find out, oh, the grass and the food are all poison and now you die. And it's 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 absurd. And uh, yeah, see, if you had technology, you would have told you but you want to do a shoe technology you stupid luddite now you did it <laughs> no I was technology say, will save us all i was gonna say the most embarrassing and it is like pretty unwatchable and and, and just all around like emblematic of the whole this like whole segment was an episode of the lucy show oh no called vi visits lucy because a i didn't know that like I love Lucy that ran forever when i was a little kid it was on all the time my sister my mom my dad like Everybody in the family was pretty cool with an I Love Lucy episode coming on. It stood yeah. the test of time. was pretty good. I didn't know, like, a couple years later, and this relates to Star Trek, that, like, they were so desperate to keep Desilu Studio open that Lucille Ball was coaxed into going back on television in the show. Mm-hmm. I, it's called The Lucy Show. And it ran almost as long as I Love Lucy, but it's in color. And yeah. it's that, and that's, it, that show does not have the cultural permanence as I love Lucy for good reason. But there's a January 1967 episode called Vive visits Lucy where the Vivian and Lucy go undercover uh, to try and find a friend's son in the hippie movement. And they dress up and it, it it's, it's unwatchable, <laughs> but I, but I made the effort. I tried. Good for you. I, I watched the whole thing. And um, it, it is, it is not only your parents making fun of, this thing you find very important, it feels more like your grandparents doing that. Uh, Cause they're all really uncomfortable with even small things like ordering coffee in the middle of the day. <laughs> hey, is it all right if we sit and watch? Sit and watch? What are you, some kind of squares? What do you mean squares? Nobody comes to the Harry Ape to sit and watch. Either you swing with the in-group or you're out. All right, man. Cool it, cool it. We swing. We swing pretty good. Cool yeah, it. don't blow your stack, pussycat. Don't blow Oh, just the audience is loving uh, Lucy Viv <laughs> making fun of all these fucking hippies. And, of course, they're all, like, classically trained actors. Like, this is real dialogue. I should say square this many times. Yeah, Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I played King Lear, you know. <laughs> and visually, it's like no one really on the staff seems to know what a hippie really looks like. So um, Lucy's wearing a pink feather boa and a biker hat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Checks out. And uh, it's it's astonishing. Like wearing one of those fur vests. Yeah, I, fur vests were like, no, not everybody dresses like they're on the cover of Sgt. Pepper. That's not what this is. <laughs> well, I, th- I think the fur vests come from like Sonny Bono, which was yeah. just like America's mainstream idea of what a hippie was. Right. It's I get mm. so fucking square. Yeah. I mean, it, what, a variety show with his wife. He's a squares idea of a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that, but that even that was the seventies. This is the, this is the late sixties. And I, I'm just tremendously entertained by all this stuff. Did you, I tried to watch? There's a fucking full episode that has the words in it of uh, all in the family. I'm like, oh shit, Archie Bunker's really going to give it to these fucking hippies. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really. The biggest problem he has in this episode is these hippies are staying at his house and they're not married and want to share a room. Yeah. 
right. that is the conflict of the entire episode. And like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> well, you just get married already. <laughs> then we can all go to bed. <laughs> there is a different episode where uh, Archie Bunker goes to jail and just meets the entire, like, uh, like different facets of the countercultural movement. There's even uh, what's rare and it's difficult, the black hippie, which existed. Um, yeah. But every t- most of the time when you see it in in movies, it's like they have to be s- s- you dig or some part of the Black Panther group. This is actually the one where I'm like, oh no, it's just a black hippie. That's <laughs> those are things that existed. Um, but I, I tried to find a, a clip the, the countercultural sequence in Forrest Gump, which I'm not playing. I I watched so many Forrest Gump clips, and I haven't seen the movie in like over a decade. And like this movie doesn't really exist, does it? But I remember every scene. Is that movie as embarrassing as I think it is? That movie is really embarrassing. Yeah. It's um, it's it's interesting. I actually wrote a paper in film school about this phenomenon of the former hippies looking back in the 80s to their Ooh. counterculture and where they've gone. And there's a couple movies that do that. And f- they're all made in the 80s. Forrest Gump is made in the 90s, but yeah. it is like super Reagan-y in that way of just like, well... I guess we've healed all our wounds from Vietnam because I'm married to an Asian woman now. <laughs> okay. Let's all wear sweaters. Ah, we're happy now. <laughs> well, I, I fought. I had to fight with myself to play because it's such an embarrassing scene, but then it does end with a great clip. I'm sorry I ruined your Black Panther party. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, yeah, I did, I did manage to find a clip of Archie Bunker uh, making fun of a hippie, and I, 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 it's something I'm so glad Diana's on here because there's a lot of context in here that even I uh, am failing to understand. Don't do that to yourself, brother. <laughs> huh? Put that away, brother. Take a trip with God. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the Jesus trip, brother. Hey, let me ask you, is that noise coming off for you somewhere? <laughs> oh, gee, turn that racket off, huh? Racket? No, that's Jesus Christ Superstar, brother. It's Sunday. I know it's Sunday, and that ain't Sunday music. It's unreligious. Now turn it off, huh? You mean you actually don't dig Jesus Christ Superstar? Jesus Christ, I dig, and I dug him a long time before you weirdos turned him into a superstar. <laughs> will you get that away from turn it off? Brother, you walk in darkness. <laughs> All over the world, this music is turning young people on to Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen. And you condemn it. Let me tell you something. Christ don't want you turning on to him. He wants you coming to him on your knees. Not wiggling and jiggling till your parts fall off. <laughs> oh, look at this one. <laughs> this is all in a jail cell. <laughs> so, so was... Uh, yeah, Jesus Freaks. We used to talk about Jesus Freaks as a subculture within the counterculture. Oh, my. Because, like, you know who else was into, like, freedom and love and your brother? Uh-oh. Jesus. Hmm. He had long hair and he was condemned for it, man. But yeah, like that's he's why the all Romans about love. Him. Yeah, they killed him because he had long hair and he yeah. wore a dress. <laughs> How far we've come, Jesus Christ. Oh, look, yeah. that wasn't on purpose. Oh man, yeah. So there's people that's like, yeah, we're just embracing love. It's like, you know, I guess I mean it makes sense. Like you love you you love your religion, but it's been like corrupted by like money, man. So like just get back to the original because it's all about love, which is cool. That's like I'm fine with that. It's all about love. And so you can watch 
Jesus Christ Superstar or Godspell and like, see, man, like Jesus was the original hippie. See, that's that's I've seen both of those through my sister being a very big fan of musicals. And it's like I don't get I didn't get any like many religious overtones just like fucking hippies. This is what I, what I think when I watched it. So did Jesus Christ Superstar really like was behind a movement of like modern new age dropout Christians? I don't know if it was behind it, but it was embraced by wow. Jesus. I would think, yeah, like it's a way to like reach the people because it's all just about love, man. Yeah, because this wouldn't appeared on All in the Family unless that was going on. It's just not something I've ever seen depicted anywhere else. Or not something that I think uh, resonates whenever you watch these movies independently. That there was a movement behind these Jesusy musicals. Yep. That's fucking oh, crazy. Yeah. Because they're just, they're like, love, man. Love, man. Yeah. <laughs> and now, instead of Jesus Christ Superstar, we have Cheeto Christ Stupid Czar. <laughs> Did- Everyone needs to watch Randy Rainbow's videos right now. Okay, I, I was going to say, you should copyright that right now. Um, <laughs> nope, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. But oh. I've had... I've had Superstar um, on the brain for the last couple of days because of the Randy Rainbow video. And because it was trending and everyone was on Twitter being like, what the fuck is that trending going? Oh, okay. I watched it now. It's great. Let me say it again. Cheeto Christ, stupid czar. Yep. That is, that is absolutely wonderful. He's uh, a mad tangerine. Commissar. <laughs> oh, mad, mad tangerine colored commissar. That's <laughs> okay. So um, moving into my, Two absolute fucking favorites here. Uh, I think this is Michael's basis for wanting to do this in general. The show that I have, I think I called another podcast once I heard of it, its existence in a time before the internet, the 80s, USA Network, which I'm watching the Cartoon Express on. It's like, get ready, kids. We have the greatest sci fi movement of a generation coming to USA Network, Lost in Space. And they describe the premise. <laughs> And I'm like, this sounds like the greatest show I'd ever seen. I didn't know it would be a one-set show where people sat around and talked about being in space rather than showing (laughs) anything about space. It it is as cheap as Star Trek got. It never looked as cheap as Lost in Space. Mm -hmm. I think I I discovered the show in college. Like, I'd seen reruns of it before in high school. I was like, no, this is stupid. I don't want to watch this. And then, like, I started watching it with kind of an ironic eye, and I realized, like, Oh, this is hilarious. <laughs> like, this isn't an adventure show. This is a really like weird sitcom. <laughs> it is unrecognizable from the show that is on Netflix currently. Even unrecognizable compared to the Taco Bell, Matt LeBlanc, William Hurt, uh, 1999 <laughs> well, one. If, if you're, if you're going to do Lost in Space, it has to be as campy and silly as possible. And you have to, like, it has to center on Dr. Smith. Like, other, otherwise, yeah. there's no point. Yep, and everyone better be wearing velour little tracksuits. Yes, that are somehow for space. <laughs> and, and, and there's a kid and a robot. Sure, whatever. So, any context for this clip we're about to play, Michael? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of which one it might be. There's so much to talk about with this episode. Uh, the promised planet, which remains my <laughs> eternal favorite. Why don't you play the clip and we can set up the context afterward? Okay. No Smith. You dig? Yes. Yes, of course I dig. You're one of us now. A cheerful, friendly, friendly all-American boy. <laughs> you look almost as young as I do now, Smith. How does it feel? Groovy man, 
out of sight. Where is the action? You'll get all the action you want, Smith. Just like all us youngers. After you've persuaded Will to drop his hang-ups and make our scene, not his folks. You get the idea? Indeed I do. I mean, I dig, man. I dig. Just keep remembering that. <laughs> so this is... This is crazy. It's, actually, so this is my favorite thing ever. Um, the, the plot <laughs> of the episode is they land on this this planet and they think like, oh, Americans have colonized this place before us. They've finally accomplished what we set out to do. We can finally find a home. And they're greeted by these Marines that are all very young. They're all teenagers. And everyone on this planet seems to be a teenager. And they start subjecting the kids. They separate them from the grownups and start like, Making them listen to this really, I think you said anodyne rock music, oh, Diana. Where it's just like, and like with go go dancers, super generic music and go go dancing. And then they like force them to do machine learning with a computer that like gonna, I don't know, quiz them really, really fast about science stuff. Yeah. And, and then they're brainwashed with the go go dancing. And then they have to go go dance whenever the music plays. Yes. Like, okay. And it's like, yeah, we fucking hate adults. Adults are squares. We hate those olds, man. They yeah, don't understand. The olders, they're not like us youngers. Yeah. And, and Dr. Smith is wandering around and he discovers that the teenagers are actually aliens in disguise. Oh, no. And so they turn him into a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> He's a magic gray to give him fucking love beads and a long, like, bull haircut. And then <laughs> he just he just immediately starts switching up his slang. Like, oh, I dig, man. We should teach will to groove hither <laughs> and they like they, they make his movements like really sped up so he's just kind of like shuffling around like he has a hunchback but like really fast and and he, he hops on a table and does a dance for like 30 yep. solid seconds everybody has to go go dance that's uh-huh. that's what i didn't i didn't mention about the lucy episode like it's it's a quarter dancing which i think they uh, they mixed up the hippie movement with like the mashed potatoes of the 1950s. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's excruciating. Is there any more to this clip that we can play? Tell me it gets even better. Oh, remember. it gets it gets so much better because like toward the end of the episode, uh, Dr. Smith like starts just buying into his own bullshit and fully becomes a hippie. And they're like, uh, hey, we, we want your help in a heist. It's like, all right, cats, but I get 75% of the cut. You split the rest. And it's like sitting there like, uh, eternally like trying to play eight ball by himself, just like setting up a shot, but never actually taking it. Which I don't understand how that fits into the hippie thing. I think now we're getting into the weird overlap with beatniks or something. Right. Yeah. I, and I think it's a bunch of 60 year old men, like just writing down, what do I hate about my son? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> constantly no, think, at a pool pole. <laughs> yeah, no, I think my, my favorite part, and it's too visual to play in audio, but there, there's a part where the daughters become brainwashed now. And so she go-go dances whenever the music plays. Her dad like breaks out of his little jail and comes, finds her, sees her go-go dancing on a table and is immediately furious. <laughs> screaming yeah. at her not just like uh hi hon are you having fun with your friends or hey what are you doing up there he's just like get down we have to leave yeah and, dancing? and she keeps dancing and he's like no i can't take it like throws up his hands in front of his face <laughs> no! and staggers back toward the door go go dancing vaguely dancing <laughs> in public in space My- <laughs> I have no daughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a little more of this. It's like freaky man, real freaky 
We're gonna freak out together. I'm way out, man. Like the rest of you cats. Hey, man, you. This man is seventy years old. It, this, yeah. <laughs> this is. This is so they, you know, they they recruit him so that he will get the kids to reject their the the adults and really it's it's all just a ploy so that the aliens can uh, take the blood from the kids which they think will let them finally grow up into adults because they can't grow up right they, that's where it got super confusing with what is their message here uh-huh. it's like they're trying to they're they're perpetually young and they'll never grow up. So, but they're trying to, but they're doing this by rejecting the old people. Yeah, that is the exact opposite. People in Silicon oh. Valley are buying children's blood right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Goddamn doctors. Who wants to grow up, man? Yeah, man. I don't need to play by your rules. Uh, this episode makes no goddamn sense. Oh my god! I, I am so glad you remember this because this is yeah. like it. Lost in Space is such a vague, angry memory for me that I wanted it to be something <laughs> so much better than it was. But uh, Diana made the point earlier that uh, like both of the space show episodes about hippies, they, they're always like some sort of weird cult that's trying to draw in kids and yeah. ultimately leads to a destructive end. And and actually that Star Trek episode, like I know it's like this, this was aired in like February, 1969 in August. That's when the, the Manson murders uh, started happening. Mm-hmm. And uh like this, this sort of predicted Star Trek sort of predicted the Manson family. And that like, <laughs> here's this little cult led by this charismatic guy who everyone thinks is a Messiah, but is actually just a crazy person. Well, that's, that's why I was, I was trying to make sense of uh once upon a time in Hollywood recently, because it, there's something to the Manson murderers murders that if you were growing up, then changed everything. And if, if you think about it in the context of the show, it made all these awful adults. Correct. Mm-hmm. Like yep. this, this will corrupt you. Uh, and like, dude, this is like 30 people and <laughs> 30 people with, uh, led by a crazy man and, and three people doing murders. Like this is not a reason to invalidate an entire movement. And yet it sort of did. And they're not really hippies yeah. because they're actually white supremacists. Right. <laughs> they're talking about rising up and inheriting the earth once helter skelter happens and right. will eventually like hip, real hippies just want everyone to love each other man we don't like what if we just like threw away all our guns and filled them with flowers yeah i i, I found that fucking commercial i don't know what that psa was about um yeah there are a couple there are a couple uh there are a couple real psas against the countercultural movement i couldn't find many entertaining clips from one is uh narrated by robert meacham yep. <laughs> so the the biggest best one Oh, that I found for this whole thing is fucking Dragnet. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> fucking Dragnet. Because I think there's there's nothing left of pop culture that steers this Republican <laughs> than Dragnet led by Jack Webb. And I think we, talk, we talked about Dragnet on 302010 because I don't know of another phenomenon like Dragnet. I think kids today might not know what it is, but mm-hmm. we did growing up because we had reruns to watch but I can't think of a property that goes from radio to black and white television to color television to major motion picture to multiple resurrections in the 90s and 2000s. Dragnet, almost every decade, there's a Dragnet show. And I don't even know what Dragnet means. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I, I, I knew about it because of MathNet on Square One Math television. <laughs> I fucking love Square One. <laughs> The only, but also known as the only television I was allowed to watch in elementary school. 
inside of elementary school. They would show us that episode like every other Friday of uh, mm-hmm. Square One. Or that or that's the do they still have cable in the classroom? That one thing where cable you screw the cable into the television of the te- uh, the TV and at 4:30 in the morning Comcast will do a service for society and turn on a couple of channels for free at 4:30 in the morning. Oh, wow. That's where you'd get like like why is this episode of Nickelodeon Kids Court airing? I'm like, "Oh, this is part of a public service that Comcast does, free cable." Huh. Um and my and, and my shitty Florida school would tape it and show it to us later. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh Dragnet, an LA police show Written and narrated by the uh, oh the uber staunch Jack Webb, just oh, yeah. so much fun. Like Jack Jack Webb is like a caricature of a of an upright uh, staunch Republican semi fascist <laughs> <laughs> of a fucking square. Yeah, just just very very deadpan delivery. The um what's, what's the name of the pig from Duckman? Uh, Cornfed. Cornfed's character is basically yeah. Jack Webb. Yes, and he says, why won't these kids just leave me alone and let me do my cigarette commercials? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, instead, and that's what I find hilarious. The, the first one that caught my eye was um, one from 19, an episode from 1966 called The LSD Story. Ah, yes. And so given the context of what Michael just said about Jack Webb, this takes place at a time when LSD is legal in Los Angeles, because it was. And they're yeah. very upset about it. Yeah. yeah. How, can, how do we make this illegal as fast as possible? <laughs> it's in the like the episode is no, I think LSD was like made illegal that year, mm-hmm. but like the episode starts the previous year where LSD is illegal and slowly being adopted by children, mm-hmm. and and I just I love it's filled with little clips like this. They have a uh, two two nice ladies on the inside of the acid beat. I meet up with them one night. Sandy, Edna May, what's happening? Nothing much. Been behaving yourselves? Haven't touched any more of that acid, that's for sure. We were even invited to an acid party tonight. We told them no. We're on our way home. You told who no? Blue Boy. He asked us. Do you have the address? Yeah, someplace. Supposed to be up in the hills somewhere. You gonna break up the party? About time somebody tried, don't you think? Nark. Yeah. Well, those girls like they show up earlier in the episode and like, oh, Blue Boy gave us acid and it made us sick. And, and it's like everyone it hurts in this Tom Tom. Everyone in this episode who gets dragged into the precinct like just immediately rolls over on their dealers <laughs> and like, just names everyone they know. Here's her address. Here's her phone number. Here's her social yeah. security number. <laughs> oh my god, Dragnet is so. Fun. And I forgot like how many sequences took place in front of just a blue screen. This show is so fucking cheap. You have all of L.A. to shoot with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Occasionally, maybe they'll be outside somewhere. Uh, so, and, and, and like, I, when, when Michael thought of this idea, I immediately thought of this because a clip from the uh, March 1968 episode of Dragnet, The Big Departure, that... Uh, the Big Departure or The Big High? This is called The Big Departure. Um, but, but by the way, I also didn't know that every other episode of Dragnet is called The Big Something. It's it's <laughs> look it up. It's hilarious. Uh, but this involves a bunch of petty crimes occurring, lots of uh, stolen goods and, and vehicles and the uh, dragnet fellas, Jack Webb trying to get to the bottom of it. And they find out it is petty crime being done uh, by a group of young kids. Uh, but why? Why? You all come from affluent families. <laughs> why? Are you, why are you committing all these petty crimes? And uh, I truncated this clip a little bit, and it's a little long, so I'll pause it in the middle. But all of the, but th- that's the thing about Dragnet. Like I love 
love listening to it on the radio whenever I rent a car and they have satellite radio. It's such a good radio show. And when you watch it on TV, like the patter is so fast. It's it's fantastic. It reminds me of editing my first podcast. Like, no, I should have left in a little bit of breaks in between dialogue here. Dragnet, there is n- there are no breaks. People talking back and forth so fucking fast. This is not my edit. This is an actual episode of Dragnet. Paul, Charles, I talked to your parents. Yeah? Yeah, so? They say you haven't been home for two months. Where have you been staying? I've been staying with them. Where's that? Around. Where's your pad? The world. The universal refuge of human kindness and love. That's some address. The best. A little tough getting mail, isn't it? You people are in big trouble here. We've got you made on this hardware store, and you know what that can mean. We thought about this possibility. We expect the power structure is going to try to retaliate against us. It'll delay things, of course. But not much. And it's not going to stop it. It's going to happen with or without us. What's going to happen? I don't think I'll tell you. What were you going to do with the rifles you stole? Shoot them, man. At what? Not at people. I know how your minds work. You're conditioned. We've rejected the concept of violence. Except sometimes, like pushing an old man around. We're just going to shoot animals. Goats, pigs, that sort of thing. You know how to handle a rifle, do you? That's right. You have guns at home? No, I learned. Where did you learn? I learned, man. I learned, that's all. All right, huh? That's all. No more dialogue. We don't have to talk to you. We got rights, even here. Especially here. Hey, you better believe it. <laughs> this makes me laugh. I have so much more of this. When they sass Joe Friday and he sasses them back. Yes. That's my favorite thing of anything ever. Like that mm-hmm. earlier episode with the two girls totally narking on Blue Boy, man. Yeah. That's my favorite because Blue Boy is a guy on acid. Yeah. He's got his painted half blue and half yellow. And when this camera reveals that, it's like the worst thing that ever happened. I Just know. like a horror sting of music. Yeah, if you're arresting him for that, you have a fucking sports stadium filled with perps. Um, he like, keeps talking about, like, red, blue, I'm a tree, I'm a tree. And they're like, okay, well, how about you come be a tree over here? And it's like they're just sassing each other back and forth. And they don't go with the obvious answer, which is he's a UCLA fan. <laughs> so I have I have more, what I can only assume is Cotton Hill's favorite show. Uh, why, why are they, like... Stealing guns to like shoot animals, man. Well, they also they also stole guns, and and it's like yeah. it's also silly in that these people have are clearly attached to multiple crimes with evidence, and they are being treated like your parents are very upset. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? They're all white. And what I should also say is their costumes are hilarious. I'm sure they are. I, I believe I can't take credit for this because it was in the YouTube comments. I, I mean, obviously, they're actors who didn't bother growing out their hair. In the Lucy show, there's a lot of really horrible wigs that are oh, like yeah. genuinely embarrassing. And this, they just like try and comb these square kids' hair in such a way that make them look like hippies. But what they're dressed as, it was accurately pointed out in the YouTube comments. They don't look so much like hippies, but it's snap, crackle, and pop. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, a guy in yellow, a guy in blue, a guy in yellow, blue, and red um, marching band outfits, and oh, and there's right. there's still there's still more to this intro. This clip has so much juice in it. I love it so much. How about other people? Huh? Do they have rights? Well, like, what do you mean? Like the people you stole from? Well, that was more important. How do you figure? Well, because we're right and they're wrong. They're rotten. All society is. All of you. Rights? <laughs> Don't make me sick. Oh yeah, there's a lot of talk about them, sure. But what's going on? What are people doing? That's what counts. Corruption, hypocrisy, and say one thing out of the corner of your mouth and then turn right around and do whatever you can get away with as long as it pays. Huh? Look around. You wouldn't see it, would you? Now you're part of it. You helped make it that way. Poverty, oppression, moral bankruptcy, 
aggression, suppression, the ghettos. And what happens when people try and demand their rights? Now you hit them over the head. Now you take what's going on in Vietnam. If that doesn't turn your stomach, well, we have renounced your whole lousy materialistic society. You're wrong. Now, how does that grab you, Mr. High and Mighty Fuzz? Not much. What's involved here is a concept so pure, so sophisticated in its simplicity that you'd never understand it. You just don't communicate, man. Yeah, well, I understand one thing. You'd better start communicating with us, and right now, because when you come up for a hearing, no judge is going to take the time to listen to all your wise talk. Now, it's your choice. You want to do it the hard way? That's fine. Let's quit for the night. I'm getting bored. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is one thing I never really expected from Dragnet, to rewatch stuff like this. Mm -hmm. It's like... They're they're giving the opposition like a fair hearing in a way. Mm -hmm. Like they could just be putting absolute stupidity garbage into the mouths of hippies, and maybe they think they are. Mm -hmm. Except he's kind of right about a lot of that. Well, I, I that's that's why this clip entertains me and and goads me to no end. <laughs> and they're just like, nope, you're an idiot. So, but what about all the people dying in Vietnam? Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> well, I, he's he's not saying that, and and I think you you are right in terms of like. Someone as like as as like so square and daddish as Jack Webb, he does give like believable dialogue to these kids. It yeah. is it is justifiable for you to be upset over poverty and war. Uh, yeah. We understand that. It's it just the context he gives later in the clip is, is like something I hate so much. I, I don't. I, I swear this clip. Is, this is my first clip, and it's really long. Let me let me see if the rest of it gives him a little context. You wouldn't be so bored if you'd understand. Understand what? That you're a bunch of young would-be toughs that'd still be on a stealing spree if you hadn't been caught? What's it to understand? Tell him. You know we took an oath. I, for one, don't want to be considered a common garden variety thief. What we're doing is above all that. I say we tell him and straighten him out. Yeah, it might be better. Why don't you tell him why, Charlie? Oh, we come down here. Paul and me. I mean, I couldn't take it to school anymore. School? Now, there's a real conveyor belt of conformity. And my family, no values. You talk about poverty of the spirit, man. Spirit? Poverty. Well, it was more, it was more. So that's a perfect example of what Michael said. Those guys rolled. <laughs> Don't tell them about our secret commune. Nah, let's give it to them. It'll blow their minds. <laughs> it's like they could just make these guys all like actual criminal punks who are doing it just for greed and saying that they're doing it for like hippie reasons. But they're like giving them like actual hippie talking points that make sense. Like, yeah, their, their parents are unloving and school is enforced conformity. No, and, and I, I always I say, I, I'm not points here, but you're all misguided, son. I, I made, uh, I, I think I admitted I've listened to so many dragnet radio episodes when I write sketches occasionally, or even like dialogue, like dragnet is super informative of, of, of how to do that. The radio show, they talk just like this. And there's nothing to see, but they convey a lot in the dialogue. It is actually really, I don't know, there's, there's a lot to admire in like this dialogue here. Not its depiction necessarily, but like uh, in terms of what you would call it, um, exposition. Like mm -hmm. they yeah. tell you a lot in an episode of Dragnet just through talking to one another. Sorry, that's neither here nor there. Because the, the, the biggest pro problem I have is like this appears on YouTube under clips like Jack Webb versus Occupy Wall Street. Or... or <laughs> Or <laughs> seriously, and and that you can find it like that, or it'll appear on Facebook and like Jack Webb figured it out sixty years ago about why what's wrong with liberals, and yeah. and there, there's something there is something minorly inspiring about this, but uh, I don't I really dislike 
the message people take away from this in a modern way. But it is, it is, it's very interesting to listen to. Again, another long clip of Jack Webb straightening out these youngins. Oh, boy. In their stupid commune. Yeah. You just don't understand. Maybe we do, son. Don't think you have a corner on all of virtue vision in the country or that everybody else is fat and selfish and you're the first generation to come along that's felt dissatisfied. They all have, you know, about different things. And most of them didn't have the same opportunity and freedoms that you do. Let's talk poverty. Most places in the world, that's not a problem. It's a way of life. And rights, they're liable to give you a blank stare because they may not know what you're talking about. The fact is, more people are living better right here than anywhere else ever before in history. So don't expect us to roll over and play dead when you say you're dissatisfied. It's not perfect, but it's a great deal better than when we grew up. A hundred men standing in the street hoping for one job, selling apples on the street corner. That's one of the things we were dissatisfied about, and you don't see that much anymore. You're taller, stronger, healthier, better educated, and you live longer than the last generation. And we don't think that's altogether bad. You've probably never seen a quarantine sign in your neighbor's door. Diphtheria, scarlet fever, whooping cough. Probably none of your classmates are crippled with polio. You don't see many <laughs> mastoid scars anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because, because... With you with what you have because other people have had it worse yeah and i think i think so racism's okay because at least we're not lynching everyone right every week. i think when i see this clip now i feel like it's that fox news justification that like because things are better now than they were there's nothing wrong with right now like right. no you can be grateful for the progress that has occurred and still still demand more progress and but that's this this clip is totally against <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that like we listen, kid, we've done enough. <laughs> Society's progressed as far as it needs to. Society's as good as it's going to be. Why don't you relax? Go home. A drink yeah. a beer. Hit your wife. And <laughs> and there's still more. I love this clip. We've done quite a bit of fighting all around the world. Whether you think it was moral or not, a lot of people are free today to make their own mistakes because of it. And that may just include you. I don't know. Maybe part of it's the fact that you're in a hurry. You've grown up on instant orange juice. <laughs> Flip a dial, instant entertainment. Dial seven digits, instant communication. Turn a key, push a pedal, instant transportation. Flash a card, instant money. Shove in a problem, push a few buttons, instant answers. But some problems you can't get quick answers to no matter how much you want them. So, so... <laughs> oh my God. So the problem was Tang the whole time. <laughs> So Jack Webb, his his heart would have exploded if you explained the internet to him because <laughs> because because an acceleration pedal like oh it's just too damn fast. I I wake up every morning and squeeze my own orange juice. What are you kids? You kids and your spoons and powder. <laughs> it's so fucking silly. It's so silly. And you're halfway through this clip. It this this makes me giggle so fucking much. <laughs> we took a little boy into Central Receiving Hospital yesterday. He was four years old. He weighs eight and a half pounds. His parents just haven't bothered to feed him. Now, give me a fast answer to that one. One that'll stop that from ever happening again. And if you can't settle that one, what about the 55,000 Americans who will die on the highways this year? That's nearly six or seven times the number that'll get killed in Vietnam. Why aren't you up in arms about that? Uh, I think they are, man. I think that's uh, what they... This is what we call whataboutism? Yeah, I yeah. Think... I think we can be mad about more than one thing at a time. Yeah. I, I think part I think of maybe just maybe we should have seatbelts. And that's and that's <laughs> why in cars. It's one of those things why I hate this clip because the kids don't get to talk anymore. Mm-hmm. And and like if maybe you were to ask them, you ask them about a starving kids, vehicular death, and war, and I think they just told you they wanted to end all of that. 
And, <laughs> and <laughs> that was the goal. But uh, yeah, you fucking socialists. Uh, still, still more. Or is dying in a car somehow moral? Tell me how to wipe out prejudice. I'll settle for just the prejudices you have inside yourselves. Ooh. Show me how to get rid of the unlimited capacity for human beings to make themselves believe that they're somehow right and justified in stealing from somebody or hurting somebody. And you'll just about put this place here out of business. I don't think that we're telling you to lose your ideals or your sense of outrage. They're the only way things ever get done. And there's a lot that still needs doing. And we hope you'll tackle it. You don't have to do anything dramatic like trying to come up with a better country. You can find enough to keep you busy right here. While you're at it, don't break things up in the name of progress or crack a placard stick over somebody's head to help him see the light. Be careful of his rights, because your property and your person and your rights aren't any better than his. And next time, you may be the one to get it. We remember a man who killed six million people and called it social improvement. So hang in. Don't try to build a new country. Make the old one work. It has for over 400 years. And by the world's standards, that's hardly more than yesterday. <sighs> Obviously, yes. Build a new country. You can improve things right now by mowing my lawn. Yes. Wow. All right. I was pretty rad, Gannon, of just being like, no, don't conform. Stay mad. Just don't steal shit. Okay, kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no. I, I forget the other, Bill, the other, the other fucking police guy's name. He's a little, he's a, l- a little more believable, but I, this is, I don't know. It's all just so silly. This country's been working for 400 years. For who? <laughs> and yeah. how? And how yeah, has Bill, that happened? Bill Gannon was always like the slightly more liberal one. He was like the the uh, Combs to uh, Jack <laughs> Webb's Kennedy. <laughs> he played by the same guy who played Colonel Potter on MASH. Yeah. Yeah. Henry yeah. Morgan. Yeah. Oh, wow. Love that guy. I wouldn't have made that connection, even though I think I might have known that. But that you're welcome, because I don't know of any other podcast right now that would take this deep a dive on Dragnet. There's <laughs> <laughs> probably several Dragnet podcasts out there. <laughs> every episode. I dare someone to do every episode of Dragnet. There are like six different series, and it, it ran on radio for 20 years. Do it. Yeah. I dare you, Internet. I dare you. Uh, because the, no one would embark on caring about dragnet in any way um <laughs> or it depends or it write anything involving dragnet as we go into our break or would they michael yeah. they they would well i i uh, was searching for episodes on on youtube and just using like hippie episode star trek hippie episode whatever and at one point i just typed in hippie dragnet and <laughs> thought of like Oh God! What if Dragnet but hippies? Like, what if it were the reverse? What if it were hippies talking down to the squares? <laughs> and uh, so I, I based it heavily around an episode called "The Big High," which is also sort of the prototypical like the, these kids aren't the, like the, these clean cut kids that are just you know living normal lives, working good jobs, but they smoke the reefer. <laughs> And so they get into these long conversations like, well, why is it legal? Someday it'll be packaged and sold. And and at the end of the whole thing, uh, they forget their baby in the bathtub and tragedy ensues. <laughs> it was parodied because on The Simpsons with be- Mr. Burns in the bathtub. Yeah, because if you smoke reefer, then you're going to forget you have a baby and they'll die. That's, that's fucking... I, I think, admittedly, uh, uh, the in the LSD story... They think the guy ODs on acid, find out that's impossible. It was actually barbiturates. Like, oh, as a minor advocate of drugs, good for you, Dragnet. Oh, my God. But also, oh, that's really not what I expected. We all know. We all know the electric lettuce leads to acid parties, Manson Mm -hmm. murders. 
I was um, not expecting them to like give the you know the guy wearing a tie who just smokes weed every now and then giving him like talking about how like how is this any better or worse than alcohol? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Say it'll be legal like alcohol was. Yeah, it's every- just prohibition now, man. Every time I want to like condemn Dragnet and Jack Webb, like he did, like wow, he's it's still like surprisingly nuanced for something made in the nineteen sixties. Yep. For, but think, then I mean, obviously we know that it can't be sold in stores because it makes you forget you have a baby and then your baby dies. <laughs> and then at the end they summarize like what, you know, they in the court here is the, you know, the results of that trial. And like no one got any jail time for that. They didn't even get busted for yeah, the possession. They, they got uh, charged with manslaughter and probation and yeah. and yeah. Nothing. Well, if you never saw Dragnet, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. So are they, are they really all based on true stories? No, of course not. I mean, they might be pulled from like case files like, oh, here's a case about parents smoking drugs. We should turn that into the same way law and order is ripped from the headlines. Exactly. Law law and order is pretty one to one these days. (laughs) (laughs) That's half the fun is how far into the episode can you get before you call what the story is? Mm. (laughs) Well, let's Well, we have a little sketch. Mm. I wrote a little sketch called Hippie Dragnet. Dragnet. Uh, Enjoy. The story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Hippie Dragnet is filmed before a live studio audience. It was Saturday, July 22nd, a day hot enough to make even the most dedicated officer want to take off his fur vest, maybe even tie back his hair. We were working day watch out of Vice Division. My partner's Bill Gannon. The boss is Captain Barnard, but now he goes by Admiral Lovechild. My name's Friday. I was at the precinct by 1.30 p.m. sharp. Normally, I don't like to be in so early, but we got in a hot tip that morning, and I was in no mood to wait. I shoved a blotter to the floor and took a seat on Gannon's desk. I lit my fifth marijuana cigarette of the day, and the sound of my lighter woke my partner from his nap. Oh, hey, Joe. What's happening? Admiral's got a real groovy tip for us, Bill. Some cats out in Northridge had a real bummer of a heavy trip. Seems some squares aren't hip to the scene, and he wants us to go see why they're being such a drag. All right, man. I just need my sidearm. I think you can leave your guitar, Bill. These establishment types aren't really music fans. This machine kills fascists, Joe. We hitching or what? Gannon and I tried to thumb a ride for over an hour before some groovy chicks pulled over and gave us a lift. But they also took us to see their dealer, so it wasn't until 7 p.m. that we finally made it to the site of the tip. It's Fuzz, man. Afternoon, ma'am. Are you the one that... Fuzz. Fuzz, man. You ever get tired of being called Fuzz? It's just a job description, ma'am, although we prefer pigs. Are you the one who called the precinct? Yeah, man. These old folks down the hall kept playing their music at, like, noon. I was gonna let it go, but you can only get woken up by clarinet so many times before it's, like, a real bummer. What's in that bowl behind you? Are those... are those capsules? Ma'am, are you in possession of LSD? Uh, oh yeah, you want some? Ma'am, I'm gonna have to confiscate, uh, this many. Thanks for your help, ma'am. Chill out and get some sleep and we'll take it from here. Oh, good afternoon, officers. How may I help you? Nix the attitude, Dad. You want to help us, you can take off that skinny tie and burn it, for starters. Easy, Joe. Sorry for my partner, man. We're here on a tip from a concerned neighbor. 
All right, if we come in. What for? We'd like to talk to you. What about? We'd rather talk to you inside. We can't talk out here? We can talk wherever you want, man. Always a place like any other, and all places are just places, man. They're just where you are at any given time, and space is nothing but a human construct we use to perceive time and our own positions relative to the infinite. If you promise to stop talking like that, I'll let you inside. I'm already inside. I'm inside your apartment and you and your family, and we're all here, in this here, in this together. Just please get in here before anybody sees you. Now, officers, what seems to be the trouble? Got a call from your neighbors. Seems you've been playing Lawrence Welk at a reasonable volume in the middle of the day. And what else do they tell you? Did they tell you I got a good job? That I have well-behaved children and go to church every Sunday? That I'm a classic version of what used to be thought of as the American dream? I think your neighbors are just worried you're not hip to their scene, man. They think maybe you'll go and hassle some kids. And so what if I do hassle some kids, as you call them, from time to time? Sometimes their Vietnam protests block the sidewalk, and I have to yell at them before they'll let me through. Tell me something, Mr. Uh... Adixec. Mr. Adixec. What's this groovy medallion you've got behind glass here? Oh, that. That's my purple heart from Korea. I don't really like to talk about it. But you'll talk plenty about Vietnam, am I right? There's nothing illegal about loving your country, officer. In fact, a full 50% of respondents to a recent Gallup poll were in full support of the war, next to just 37 against. And while peaceniks like you might not approve, we are winning the fight against the Viet Cong one village at a time. One napalm village at a time, you mean? Vietnam isn't even a legal war. America never formally declared it. Every victory is just a massacre. Someday, officers, when the world is free of communism and hippies like you finally cut your hair and put ties on, you'll see we were right. And maybe then you'll finally understand us. Someday Vietnam will be something people were proud to fight, and having served will be so commodified that it'll be a wedge issue in every presidential election. You may be right about us winning the war, Adexec, but I see this kind of thing happen all the time. A country wins a war, and pretty soon winning just isn't enough. The country has to fight bigger wars and more destructive wars, always chasing a high that's never as good as that first time. And pretty soon the jails fill up with vets strung out after they've grown numb from it. I've seen people older than you wind up on a slab after just one more harmless war. It only ends one way. Do you know they say Hemingway went to war? And that he wrote beautiful poems from his experience in World War I. All the world roars red and black. Soldiers smother in a ditch. Choking through the whole attack. It's beautiful, don't you think? I recite it to my little boy Edgar sometimes. He likes the sound of the words, but in time he'll internalize them into a jagged ideal of manliness that will ensure he lives his life exactly as I did. Far out, man. Where'd that kid come from? Joe, he's been here the whole time. You went and played catch with him for like 15 minutes after we came in. I've heard enough, Mr. Adexec. You have the right to remain mellow. Any buzz you harsh may be harshed against you in a court of love. You can't arrest me. What are you even charging me with? Manipulating the laws of time, man. And child endangerment. Time later. <laughs> Manipulating the laws of time. You're the living end, Joe. I can't get over that. I guess it's true what they say, Bill. You should never eat the brown acid. Hey, don't bogart that. Hey, groovy cats, what's happening? Oh, hey, boss. Joe ate some crazy acid and, like, laid down some universal truths for the squares, man. Sounds like a real heavy scene. Hey, what, what happened to that suspect you booked? I don't know. He was with Joe. Suspect belongs with his arresting officer. Don't you people know where your suspect is? Joe, where's Mr. Adexec? Where's the little square? Where's Adexec? Adexec. Adexec. Adexec! 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 You... you left your suspect unattended in a bathtub? And you just... drowned? A grown man? In a bathtub? That we have in a cop stop? This is a real gone scene, Admiral. Far out, man.
was charged or hassled because that would suck, man. The story you just heard is true, in the way that all stories are true, on, like, a cosmic level. The names and locations were changed because, like, what is a name, anyway, and can anyone really be called innocent, like, if you have one? Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show, 302010. Here's a clip from 2007. Uh, Lisa Wilcox and Robert England in Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. When it comes to terror, Freddy knows best. Now, Freddy delivers. It's a I have affection for this movie. I can see, I can see its shortcomings as a film because it is generally unpleasant, but the kills are real fun. And it has one of my favorite soundtrack songs. Uh, part four had the Fat Boys. I'm not going to talk shit on the Fat Boys. That's a great song. But uh, Bruce Dickinson's "Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter" is uh, one of the greatest oh, song titles yeah. of all time. Uh, and I believe it was he, he liked it the Iron Maiden liked it so much they went like later on they re-recorded the song with the whole band do you think they play that song at bring your child to work day at the meat <laughs> processing plant <laughs> that joke got so G-rated at the end I'm very I'm very happy I was predicting a much darker scenario good on you I'm favorite. a mixed bag <laughs> Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on LaserTimePodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. And here's a song that might help you cope with some of those feelings, okay? It's called Lesbian Seagull. She flies so gracefully over rocks, trees, and sand. Soaring over cliffs and gently floating down to land. Coming in with, uh, coming in with Lesbian Seagull by Mr. Van Driesen from <laughs> Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> and this is where, like, I hope people didn't dip out because we're all not doing modern stuff. You never know because there were two different categories I wanted to uh, discuss when talking about depictions of hippies in popular culture. Because uh, I feel like we, growing up, uh, and I'll say growing up with a lot of 90s entertainment, it doesn't matter how old you were, we're taught to hate hippies. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, they're weenies and they are pathetic. Or that they're stupid. Yeah. That they're stupid and that their movement had no, uh, had no meat behind it. Which again, I'm saying is like, that shit is not true. I, I can get behind much of the hippie ideal. I was looking at hippie parents and like, Family Ties, a show entirely <laughs> based on what happens when hippie parents grow up. My parents weren't quite hippie age, but I, I like Diana, you said yours were. Yep. Mm-hmm. So like hippie parents are all Dharma and Greg, Alf, oh, oh yeah. Alf. When we went to Woodstock, it was so, I saw so many more aliens, Alf. Oh, my um, dad loved the hippie parents on Dharma and Greg. Yeah. Well, I, I just I kind them. of, I remember like being asked by some other kids when I was in grade school. It's like, were your parents hippies? And like, well, yeah. And he's, I just figured everyone was a hippie in the 60s. No, and in it, my case, that wasn't even true. Like, my mom <laughs> went to live with my dad in Spain, and Spain was under, like, fascist dictatorship at the time. So <laughs> they didn't really have a 60s the way that uh, Diana's parents had a 60s. Yeah, like, my, my mom grew up with a military background. Not a lot of hippies uh, on <laughs> at the yeah. station, or whatever they call it. Uh, but I want to talk like hippie parents just because the nature of where the fucking fuckers 
uh, Daria's friends' parents. Like, like yeah. growing up, we saw like almost every parent we saw on television when we were younger were hippie parents. And I just wanted to grab a couple of clips of some of my favorite hippie parents. Basically just this one, because even though this is technically beatniks, I wanted to start the episode with Ned Flanders' parents, because they make me laugh so much. Well, I'm afraid young Ned is unusually aggressive, but I can't seem to find a cause for it. Hey, hey, get down from that bookshelf, please. Most of those books haven't been discredited yet. Would you please tell your son to stop? We can't do it, man. That's discipline. That's like telling Gene Krupa not to go boom, boom, bat, 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 boom, boom, bat, 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 boom, 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 bat, 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 boom, boom. Hmm. Lack of discipline. I'm beginning to see the problem. We don't believe in rules like we gave them up when we started living like freaky beatniks. Now, you don't believe in rules, yet you want to control Ned's anger. Yeah, you've got to help us, Doc. We've tried nothing, and we're all out of ideas. <laughs> Love that line. Uh, <sighs> yes, those are those are technically beatniks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and which, but there's a lot of early overlap. Like, the early 60s hippies and beatniks are basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they go off in, in different directions. And then even when you have hippies showing up in the later 60s, they're still pretty much written like beatniks. Yeah. And maybe there's drug gags written in. Yeah, like as, when we talk about in the in in the the previous segment like a beatnik and hippie would sound exactly the same. And they and they they do sort of here. I just like that if you, you haven't watched later Simpsons, I think it is established that Flanders is about 20 years older than Homer. So mm-hmm. he's much he's like 60 something years old and his parents, yeah. yeah, beatniks from the possibly 50s. It it could that's what they could be or 40s. Yep. But uh, Homer's mom was a hippie. Uh, that's true. That's true. Glenn Close. Homer's yeah. mom was a hippie. Homer, why didn't I get that one? Homer's mom is the definition of a hippie. Yep. God damn yep. it. That's she got turned on. She went to Woodstock and grandpa was really upset that Jimi Hendrix was playing instead of Sean on Awe. Turned on by, uh, was it uh, Joe Namath's hairstyle? Right. That turned her into a hippie. And that's how I, want, I wanted to find an excuse to like shoehorn George, George Carlin in here somewhere because he like, he, 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 He's pretty much just a fucking nihilist, but like uh, gets cast almost exclusively as hippie characters throughout his life, and uh, including in The Simpsons. Yeah. That's um, true. Mars too. Yeah, yeah, and oh, I, I just, just bring it all full, full circle. Uh, Tommy Chong is in Zootopia as a big dirty hippie. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and then uh, one of the the ones that just came to my mind, and I'm like, is that? Am I remembering this correctly? I really like it on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that uh, Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv are formerly hippies. They talk about themselves like hippies, even though like most media, if you're black, you're an activist. If you're white, you're a hippie. But, you know, that's just uh, the same kind of racism that'll say a, a black person is looting instead of surviving. <laughs> and uh, But but I love this episode because, um, who is it? Is it Will's mom comes back? No, no, it's, it's their friend. It's their friend who comes back, and we get to hear a little bit. Every once in a while, Uncle Phil would drop something like, um, yeah, I marched with Martin Luther King and all this shit. And uh, yeah, I just found this little clip, thought I'd play it for you. Oh, because in this episode, uh, their friend shows up and sort of radicalizes Ashley. Because <laughs> she's still got them hippie roots. Right on. Marge, when you talk to Will about when we chained ourselves together at sit-ins, you're only giving him the romantic part of the struggle. Girlfriend, you are leaving out everything that went before it. The leaflets, the petitions, 
the years of trying to work through the system. The system doesn't work. You have to blow the door down. Looks like you forgot that. You talk as if I wasn't there with you in Birmingham facing dogs and fire hoses. This is me, Olafami. The same Olafami that was with you the night Harlem went up in flames. But now I have a family and I choose not to fight in the streets. I have an office to fight from. And I have fought and won cases for fair housing, affirmative action, health care. And I am not ashamed to write a big fat check for something I believe in. And that doesn't make me any less committed than you. Ooh. <laughs> I forget how much I love James Avery's Uncle Phil in his quiet John Goodman moments. It, where, where you for, like him and John Goodman, you forget like, oh, these guys are seven feet tall and can beat up anybody. Um, <laughs> they're very, very scary people. Uh, I, uh, I just love that show. Get into that argument, uh, it's it's basically the same argument as Dragnet was having. Mm-hmm. The, the sort of like the direct action versus like reforming the system. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 not. I know it's not fair to ask everyone who cares about a progressive cause to uh, change the course of their whole life to fuck up the system from the inside, but. That's what Matt Damon did in The Departed. And if he can do it, uh, so, so, so can you. So, <laughs> that's, that's all you have to do, kids. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to plug this movie because it's one of my favorite films I never hear anybody talk about. Is, is it the first or second David O. Russell movie, Flirting with Disaster? You ever seen that movie? Oh, yeah. I Let's say it's, it's the first one I saw. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie about Ben Stiller trying to find his birth parents, and it's a great way to cast a bunch of like great old actors together. In a minor spoiler, they're traveling with two gay FBI agents, one playing by Oscar nominee Richard Jenkins, who in this mm-hmm. scene is accidentally given acid, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he finds out his family is a bunch of hippies living in the middle of nowhere because they've never stopped selling acid. And uh, it's Lily Tomlin and Alan Alda, and who and I just uh, Alan I Alan Alda would also be cast as a hippie over and over and over again, which is so strange if you think that technically his most famous role is uh, as a guy in the fifties in the army. In the army, uh, yes, yeah, Steve. And uh, and and so in this clip, uh, it's just it's Lily Tomlin and Alan Alda talking to Ben Stiller, who's meeting his birth parents for the first time. You made LSD? Is yeah, that yeah, that's oh, what you're yeah. saying? We made LSD. Yes, yes, we made acid. And we gave it out to people who needed it. You know that there are hundreds of pharmaceutical executives in this country oh. that are selling drugs, FDA-approved drugs. Oh. On the open market. Oh, on the, over the counter with oh. incredible si- Horrible side terrible effects. side effects. And these people are not in jail. They're not in prison they're, anywhere. They're, they're in country clubs. They're playing golf. They're having drinks. They're running the country. They're not they're, running the country they, now. You know, LSD shouldn't be a felony in the first place. It's not addictive. <laughs> it doesn't lead to violent crime. Uh-huh. It's uh-huh. really the only hope of the species. Yeah. Did, did you take acid while you were pregnant with me? You're not going to bring that thing up, are you? <laughs> Everyone looks so fucking young here. It is crazy. I love that movie. But the, mm-hmm. the second subcategory I wanted to talk about is what I really grew up with. And that mm-hmm. is everyone hating hippies and murdering them in my entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> so the generation of people I who made stuff for me when I was younger hated hippies. A lot of them who were progressives. But, yeah. there, but there was something about entertainment that just delighted in murdering hippies. And it, it happened all the time. It happens in Mars Attacks. 
Uh, it, it happens in. If you don't remember, like it's really it was really hard for me to find Beavis and Butthead clips online because it's been kind of ripped from the internet. But the the Mr. Van Driesen, their hippie teacher, was sort of brutally murdered in at the end of almost every episode he was in. <laughs> and and there's, there's something about someone being fairly naive and open and trying to to welcome someone and just getting stomped flat. I, I do think there's a comedic irony that will work with a hippie character, a character who would never hurt you getting mm. hurt the most. <laughs> there, yeah. there, there is, there is a comedic irony there, but like just looking up clips of him, it's like he sings a song and then he's mauled by a bear or in this, yeah. clip, he, sing, he sings a song and on a bus and the bus stop shorts, throws him out the window where he bounces down a Canyon. And like, it's not like done even in a Simpsons flavor. It's just like that man is fucking dead. <laughs> and of That's course, is that if well not funny, but it's what's weird about that is that if you hear Mike Judge talking about Mr. Van Driesen, it's mm-hmm. always in this very uh complimentary way, I guess, that he was he was talking about him once and it's like, yeah, I mean, he's just kind of based on like you'd always have this one teacher in school uh who would try to reach these idiots over and over again and <laughs> wouldn't give up on them and was always frustrated. Yeah, because I don't think it's that he hates like the show the animated show he made after King of the Hill was called The Good Family, and it was about a group of serious progressive leftists. If you've never seen it It only lasted one season, but it's, it's not bad. And it's, it's written the same way King of the Hill is where like King of the Hill is sort of like you would assume right leaning people, but are really is just more about people from a certain area who want to do the right thing as society grows up. Uh, But this is Mr. Van Driesen dying for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, people, it's obvious we're all a little overexcited. I think I'll cool things down with the little song I wrote. It's called Touch a Mountain, okay? Children of the earth rejoice. Each new day we have a choice. So touch a mountain, climb a mountain, feel a mountain. Oh, damn it! I missed the turn! Whoa, <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so... I, I take it back. It's not about the gentleness. It's because hippies are fucking lame, man. <laughs> that, okay, that, that'll actually accept. Hippies are lame. I agree with your points, but you are lame. <laughs> um, and and this is... This is I, I sort of defend South Park sometimes as not being... Um, completely nihilistic and right-leaning, but it's difficult to do with episodes like Die, Hippie, Die. Um, yeah, that's when I was like, okay, are there any TV shows I need, like, reminding they had a hippie episode? Like, we didn't know about uh, Beverly Hillbillies till we did a search and we, we found some. But, <laughs> Damn it. Uh, I didn't uh, see that one. Yeah, you type in hippie episode and all I got was Die, Hippie, Die from South Park. Mm-hmm. Right, where Cartman plays an exterminator who exclusively gets rid of hippies and, and who in this episode spread to be miles wide. At a music festival, I do, but I do think it is undeniably funny that Cartman's goal is to put on a Slayer CD to get the hippies out because that's all you need, and it it does feature Slayer's raining blood in the episode. <laughs> uh, but it is it is it's a depiction of hippies that even I don't like as a, a fan of South Park. But um, here's a little clip of that. This is a South Park News special report. Thousands of people have descended on South Park for a hippie music jam festival. 
The event is said to be the largest such gathering in the history of man. All right, welcome to Hippie Jam Fest 2005! so great to see so many people turn out to make an impact on the world! Yeah! You said it! For too long, the corporations have bled the world of its love and resources. It is time for us to get to work and make the world a better place. And we're gonna start right now! <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to see the look on those little Eichmann's faces when they hear this crunchy groove. <laughs> see, that's my biggest complaint about hippies mm. that they're dealing with. So I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, you, you think that you're, you're all about changing the world, but really you're just about a, a very specific strand of hedonism. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that it's, it's, sometimes it's not about changing the world as ignoring the world. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and uh, but I, I do get I do get that, and I think that's another reason why it's easy to hate hippies. Their music sucks. It, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. the the early music fucking rules. Okay, psychedelic rock, black mm. classic rock, love that shit. Fucking love it. Jam bands though, they can go to hell. Right. Mm. I guess I'm thinking more of the Grateful uh, Dead, or in this case, Fish. I had a couple of Fish fan friends. Boring, like just letting letting really good musicians just like go where the spirit takes them. That's fun, but like it's like they never even change key. They just sort of it's just really repetitive and redundant. And I like the Grateful Dead. You do, all right. Well, I do. I think American Beauty is a great Americana Roots album, <laughs> but so much just yeah just noodling i fucking can't take it and uh one of my favorite shows of all time uh who really hates hippies is mr show (laughs) 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 who have have done a jesus christ superstar parody with sid and marty croft parody so good and uh the show it's it again and i consider this probably the best sketch show because by not parodying anything super specifically it's always enjoyable to watch, and every every year I watch it, it seems relevant to something else that's really happening. Uh, mm. But not this. Um, but it's Bob and David start the show by arguing with one another that they're gen- they have too many general de- generation they have too many generational differences to continue the show because they're, they're one year apart. And, <laughs> uh, and but they find something that unites them. And I didn't know that the hippie here. It's played by Dave Gruber Allen, um, hey. who's it, with no beard. Uh, I just I hadn't seen him without a beard. Uh, he's also the naked trucker, and he's also a great hippie character in Freaks and Geeks <laughs> as the guidance counselor, one of the greatest characters in television history. Uh, but this is the opening of the show, Mr. Show hating on hippies. Cleaning up your mess. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, folks. We just don't relate. I think this show is over. Oh, that's good. Yeah, quit. Just like your generation. Give up. Hey, guys. If, uh, if you're not doing the show, then... I'm gonna split. The camera guy. What? <laughs> cool. I uh, I'm still uh, bummed out about the dead breaking up, and it's like I lost my best friends. What are you talking about, you <laughs> dumb hippie? Well, Bob, I can relate. You know, uh, I know my best friends used to charge me thirty-five bucks to listen to him dick around on guitar. <laughs> Come on, let's kick his hippie ass. Hey man, hey man, keep on trucking, man. Hey, let's go, Hey, David, David, wait, wait, wait. Look what we're doing. 
We're working together. <laughs> hey, yeah. Bob, our mutual distrust and hatred of hippies has united us in a common cause. <laughs> I, so I, I can't emphasize how weird it is that I grew up with every show I watched hating hippies. Like, just revol- like a revulsion of hippies is just something I'm used to. In fact, I had to do this episode, I'm like, I don't have anything against hippies, I don't think, other than the Mansons. Um, <laughs> and, and maybe some of the, yeah, some of the music. But other than that, I, I, I could have been a hippie, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, in the late 60s? Yeah. I think I, you'd count as a hippie. Mm-hmm. I would have rather <laughs> dressed like a beatnik. But, like, the, to be honest, my hair has not fit in any decade uh, I've been <laughs> born in other than the 80s. I have perfect hair for the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, mm-hmm. I really hate it. It's this whole fucking pubes and glue short hair thing. But, oh, man, I could grow it out. I could either be... <laughs> I could be. You could grow it out to full-on Jufro. You'd yeah. fit in great. 70s. Yeah. I could have a Jufro. I could have whatever like uh, Balky and Larry had in Perfect Strangers. I can do that easily. Uh, but yeah, the 90s and, two, and aughts have not been kind to my hair. Uh, but that is that is our show. That is our show. I thought that was, in, in my generation, yeah, two categories, hippie parents and the revulsion of hippies. And uh, let us know if you can find, if you find any other examples because, uh, yeah, I think the 90s were, were none too kind to hippies in general, whereas, whereas un, like unkind, if not worse than the 60s were. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I, I don't know. I, th- I think maybe stuff from the 60s, if, if you had like hippies just getting the shit beaten out of them, that would have been like punching down to such a horrific I think so. Yeah. But I think with the 90s, it's more like, you know, Gen Xers just being like, man, fuck you, dad. Yeah, maybe that's the difference because, like, I did start out this episode just like, yeah, sometimes millennials are both depicted and spoken about pretty shittily in uh, the main, by the mainstream media. Um, but that is the difference is that some media don't mind punching down in a way that's, like, pretty embarrassing when it comes to millennials. And they, even Jack Webb didn't do that. <laughs> He's like, Jack Webb, yeah. at least in, in his way, he was trying to talk to the younger generation. There you go. That's a good way to put it. Weird. Things are worse now than ever. See, we can yeah. prove it now. We prove it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have some good hippie exploitation films I would like to recommend, though. Some depictions of hippies about hippies from mm. the sixties and seventies. Yes. I super have to recommend, though. Uh, I love you, Alice B. Toklas. Is so much fun with Peter Sellers as a square and then like he kind of gets turned on and like goes off with this hippie chick. Is is she tokeless because she has no weed? No, because she invented pot brownies. Oh, tokeless. Wow. I couldn't believe I thought that might have been something else other than a weed reference. Well, I mean, it is a weed reference. I know. I just I thought it was it could have been a real name. No, it is a real name. It was Gertrude Stein's partner. All right. God. Yeah. You uncultured. Tokeless. Also, psych out is the like the best hippie exploitation movie because it has just one scene of uh, Dean Stockwell turning very seriously to Jack Nicholson while they both have long hair and saying, you're righteous, Stoney, but you're not. <laughs> Jack Nicholson plays a guy named Stoney. And then Bruce Dern has a freak out down at the gallery. You're being. Oh, a- no! I, I can't believe Bruce Dern was cast in a hippie movie. That seems so far-fetched to me. I know. It's like his one good hippie part, and then he usually plays like the anti-hippie military colonel. As he's older, yeah. And the burbs and Hateful Eight. 
Um, <laughs> coming home, all the way to coming home. Come I on. I feel like even even outside of hippie hippie exploitation, there was a point like during the '60s and early '70s where, in order to be hip and to resonate with the kids, like every movie had to have a hippie montage in the middle ah. of it for no reason. Like, uh, so Flowers for Algernon is one of my ah. favorite short stories ever, and they turned it into a movie called Charlie. And like in the middle of nowhere, there's like this this whole thing where like. Charlie, who's this this developmentally disabled man who's made uh, superhumanly intelligent by experimentation, just goes off and tries to find himself, man. And so it, it's just like a bunch of random flashing imagery of him, like dressed up like Andy Warhol and doing this weird robotic <laughs> dance, or like crashing through a thing on a motorcycle as a Hell's Angel, or, oh, and it's awful. <laughs> Wow. And but like there's a lot of movies like that. I think uh, Diabolic by Mario Bava has like a hippie <laughs> montage in the middle for no reason. The Dunwich Horror by Roger Corman, based on a Lovecraft story, just like this this character keeps having visions of the elder goddess, and it's just a bunch of naked hippies with flowers in their hair dancing. Like, what the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> Oh, well, maybe we'll address that on an episode of Bonus Time on our Patreon-exclusive show, patreon.com slash lasertime, where we tend to update things that we talk about here, Video Game Apocalypse, 302010, or the, the current movies that we've seen. Recently, we discuss, um, man, a great new documentary on Hulu, uh, the Amazing Jonathan documentary, and Once Upon a Time uh, in Hollywood, which I... Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of hippies, I mean that that yeah. made me think also of hippies. Watch Billy Jack, like if you like, oh! Hippies, y'all should watch Born Losers or Billy Jack because well, that's Jack. pretty much what that character's based on. Does anyone call a car a mechanical asshole in that movie? <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say because not like, yeah, like Easy Rider is like one of the only movies from the hippie era or that was like part of that era that I think holds up in any way. But Billy Jack. In terms of how much it doesn't hold up, makes it so very entertaining. Oh, yeah. So good, the Billy Jack oh, movies. Good. I like someone who will ass kick for hippies. Mm. He has to have their back because they're so peaceful, man. <laughs> so he's going to tell you about how he's going to take his boots off. And by the time he's done taking his boots off, he's going to kick the shit out of you for making fun of that Indian kid. Holy shit. I'm very and then happy. he does. We thought of way more examples than I thought, than I imagined that we would have. And check out more at lasertimepodcast.com. Once again, we are supported by patreon.com slash lasertime supports all the shows in the Lasertime Network. Price of a burger and fries uh, could really, really help us out once a month. And we would really, really appreciate it if you've been a fan of our shows dating back to, I think, Jesus, what are we on? Like, I think we're, we're almost going to go in 10 years uh, at this yeah. point, about eight, eight years. I think eleven years. Uh, we started what in in oh eight? Yeah, but we don't we don't control any of those older podcasts. <laughs> uh, but yeah, laser time. There's if you didn't like this episode, why are you listening to the plug segment at the very end? Um, <laughs> Excellent question. You've and, given up by now. And, and, but we have a ton of other episodes with topics you might like. Uh, my favorite this year was being the complete so- ter- terrible saga of Conan O'Brien's Tonight Show. Um, in a recent episode that was about stolen music uh, from video games or music that video games stole. Um, love to talk to you about that on your show, Michael, at some point, which is what? Vigigame Apocalypse. Go to vigigameapocalypse.com. Download as we come out every Friday and we talk about video games. We always start off with the top five and then we shift to news, new releases and other more current topics. But uh, it's it's a fun show. We talk for like, two and a half hours about video games so go <laughs> yeah, listen there's two different segments i always like to describe it one is uh 
a current look at the world. And then the, the, the top five before was like the five top five games Disney animators worked on. Yes. Yeah. And and we missed one, actually, an important one, Pitfall the Mayan Adventure, we did not talk about. I've so never heard of it. With, with that in mind, you and think like these, these <laughs> bastards, they missed an important one. Uh, Diana, where can people hear more of Diana? Uh, they can hear me on 302010 every week coming out. Uh, or follow the show at 302010 podcast on the Twitters where we talk about what came out this particular week uh, in movies and music and TV, etc. cetera, uh, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago. And, oh, my God, the middle of September, when we start getting the, the uh, debuts of TV shows, it's going to get fucking insane. I Oh, man, I, I forgot about that. We're out of, like, the big movie territory, but we're about to dig into big television territory big television territory for like a month and then we get right back into the giant holiday movies yeah because if you well you mentioned freaks and geeks earlier i know i know but if you because if you are listening to the show or don't know what the concept is it's it's 30 2010 what happened 30 2010 years ago and right now we're in 1989 99 and 2009 and in 99 the sopranos has basically just appeared and kind of changed television it'll take a little less than a year but like Te- uh, to me, television gets different forever after after The Sopranos, mm-hmm. and uh, it, and it gets it gets much better. But that's what makes it fun to talk about juxtaposed with nineteen ninety eighty nine, which is always like some shitty concepted sitcom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all of Kate's children died, so she became an ad executive. And <laughs> why? What? Why? How long is it? How, how long? What? How long can this mean anything? Anyway, uh, that has been Laser Time. Thank you so much. Uh, LaserTimePodcast.com. You can find all of our shows in addition to wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week.